Walkman Turner Overdrive from the 70s. Yeah, I said, where's this guy going? <laughs> How many of you remember this phrase? B-b-b-baby! <laughs> Message or the, the idea today that God has placed in my heart, and it's very simple, it's this. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Now, when I was putting this graphic together, Derek asked me, so did God say that in the Bible? I said, he sure does. First, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And I'm going to pray as you are reading. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be Pentecostal to say that. I what somebody said. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is anointed. It says of itself that it is sharp and it is mighty and it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder even to the bone and the marrow. God, we thank you for your word. And we ask today, God, that you would open our ears, dear Lord, anoint us. Uh, to hear from you, God, uh, uh, and anoint me to speak, Lord, and say words that will only be in harmony with what you're saying with each of us here. We thank you, dear God, and we bless you because you alone are worthy of praise. And we pray in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I'm going to read it again. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God wants us to know today that there is so much that he has in store for us that we should have exceeding great hope. We should have hearts that are lifted. We should be encouraged because God has promised us great and mighty things. Now, the list, of course, of the known promises in itself is too great in this context to list or to enumerate. The known promises of God are great. They have the promise of salvation. We have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of healing. We have the promise of being lived and dwelt in by God Himself through His Holy Spirit. We have the promise of being agents of change, being able to change the world by releasing the light and the power of God, that Holy Spirit that lives within us. Those are amazing promises. But God says that I has not seen and the ear is not heard, and it hasn't even entered into our hearts what it is that God has in store for us. Now, before we came to Christ, we were blind and we were ignorant to all of God's blessing. Before we came to Christ, we didn't know we had any kind of hope. But aren't you glad now because of Jesus that you have hope? There is no greater gift than that. Can you imagine, or maybe can you remember what your life was like when you were living in darkness and you were wondering what happens when this life is over. That question that plagues us, what happens when this life is over? Sometimes we can't sleep because we're wondering and we're worrying about what's going to happen when I die. 
Fear, death's fear has a grip on us because we're uncertain. We don't know what is before us. But now, because of Jesus Christ, we have this great promise that Jesus is going to come again. And with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet's blast, the dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. What a hope. What a promise. That's wonderful. But that's way out there in the future somewhere, isn't it? It'd be really great if before this message was over, and some of you are saying right now would be good, if he would. <laughs> if he would come. Some of you would want to stop at a restaurant first. Can we get something to eat, God? It's a long trip. Is there a drive through on the way to heaven? And yeah, doubt it. In and out. Yeah. Good Christian. There we go. In and out. She said in and out. There will be a, an in and out drive through on the way to heaven. By the way, that is a great company to support. Christian. They are blessed beyond measure because without flaunting it, they just do business God's way like Chick-fil-A. So we're grateful for men and women of God who uh, exemplify Christ in commerce. But God has such things for us that we don't even know. But let's listen to this. Let's set this in context. Let's go way, way back to the top of this chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to Paul's first statement. Now, before we read this, um, some things about Paul to know are helpful in understanding this chapter. Paul was, by some description, the Jew of Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an up-and-comer among the Pharisees. He was sharp. He was, he was just brilliant. And he was had that kind of mind that he was able to not only just know the law like his contemporaries, but he was able to remember the details of the law. He knew every jot and tittle of the law. He was zealous. He had passion. And he was going to be God's agent as a Pharisee. And he was trained by Gamaliel. I always forget how to pronounce the name. But Gamaliel was the guy, the Pharisee before Paul. And Paul was his student. He was trained by the best. Paul was a brilliant orator. He was a brilliant lawyer. The, the people who know more than I do, and that is a long list, uh, will talk to you about Paul. And by examining his writings, they will say, this is an amazing man. He has an ability to present arguments, to see through the problem, and present arguments that lead you to the right and the ultimate conclusion. You don't want to get in a battle of wits with him because he would win. Paul is a smart guy. In terms of natural gifts, God has gifted Paul. And Paul is using those gifts to the best of his knowledge at that time to do what he thinks is God's will. Now this is Paul. This is this amazing man. Listen to what he says in the first verse. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did ca I came not with excellency of speech, but of or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see this priority of Paul. Here's a man that knew how to win 
an argument. This is a man that knew how to convince. This was a man who was skilled at those things. But what did he do? He said in another place, he said, I count all of these things as dung. In other words, all my natural gifts, all of my natural talents, all of these things I lay aside because I have found something greater. And it's outside of my control. I operate in it by trust. Now that's a hard thing, isn't it? I would love to be uh, uh, one of these ministers of God who did signs and wonders and miracles all the time. But you know, to have that kind of life, you've got to live a life of trust. You've got to be willing to put it out there with no guarantees. And that appeals, that statement right there is understood by those of us who understand the fear of praying for somebody and nothing happening. How many of you have ever had that fear? Have you ever been afraid to put your hands on somebody and pray because something might not happen? But listen, folks, when we understand who we are in God, we don't worry about the results. We understand this, that God has more for us. We haven't seen. Our ears haven't heard. It's never even occurred to us the things that are waiting before us. God has things waiting for us. But the only way that we're going to walk into them is when we're willing to put aside the places in our natural man where we are strong and comfortable. So wherever you're strong and comfortable at, you're going to have to sacrifice that on the altar. See, God's going to put you in places where His strength has to work. The Bible says His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul said, I'm laying aside everything I know because I found something better. Now, that's a place of trust. Again, I have to repeat that. That's a place of trust. See, a lot of us want to be used of God. We want His mighty power in our life, but we want to walk into the situation knowing that, hey, nothing, no surprise is going to happen. It's just going to happen just the way I saw it in my mind. I'm going to lay hands on them. They're going to stand up. They're going to shout and give God glory. They want to praise me a little bit, but I'll deny it, of course, because that's what you do. But Paul said, I am going to know nothing about, among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said this, what I found, I found in Jesus. And I'm not going to dare for a moment look to the right or the left. I'm not going to rely upon my natural gifts or abilities. I'm going to look to Jesus because it's in Him that I find everything that I'm trying to relate to you. I'm determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He even says in verse 3 that I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, this is a guy who knows how to, to do life. He knows how to succeed. So why is it that he's there in weakness and fear and in trembling? What he's talking about is, folks, I have put myself out there in a place where I'm not comfortable. I had to put myself out there and say, I am not going to rely on my strength or my ability I'm going to find a way to rely on Christ. That's a struggle that I'm familiar with. Uh, Pastoring this church has been a a great stretching experience for me, and I've lived for the Lord all my life, and I've experienced His power, and I've served in varying capacities, but uh, when I'm in this place, it's hard to not want to take the reins and make something happen, you know, as though I could. 
you know, there are expectations after all. I, you know, if the church is going to... This is worldly, carnal, human, natural thing. If the church is going to grow, then you've got to do things that will make it grow, right? So it's my job as pastor. Well, it's not my job. Jesus said, I will build my church. He said, you lead them, you feed them, you love them. That's my job. That's not any different than your job, though. We're to love each other. We're to care for each other. We're to feed into each other's lives. So our callings are really the same. It's just the outworking of it is a little different. But how are we going to do this with any kind of power, with any kind of true kingdom power? It's when we determine that we're going to know Jesus and Him crucified and nothing else. When we learn that I can't get up, I can't face this day today until I touch God. When we get to the place where we really believe that and the proof of that belief is in the fact that I don't start my day without first touching Jesus. When we touch Jesus, things change. When we touch Jesus, we have a perspective that that says that I can do nothing on my own, but with God, all things are possible. See, coming into the presence of Jesus puts it all in perspective. This morning, uh, a lot of things in my mind, busy, 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 had uh, uh, praying, and and I'd been praying and asking God uh, all night long for more direction and specifics, and and, uh, when I got down to pray this morning, my mind was racing, and and I realized that I needed to push through, I needed to get through, because I needed to touch God. And when I pressed through, and when I finally got through, and I touched God, suddenly everything was put in perspective. Suddenly I realized, I don't want to just get up there and have some message that makes sense to me, something that I pulled together out of my mind. I want to hear what God has to say. And in that moment, God says... Gave me this scripture, this passage that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for his people. So we're here today to be encouraged to know this that God is exactly who he says he is. He's a God that is eternal and that he is a God who is omnipotent. That means he has all power. He's all knowing, he's omniscient, and he's everywhere at once. He will never be away and apart from us. God is with us. And He has given us great and exceeding wonderful promises. So much that our minds can't comprehend it. Now, I try. If you're like me, you try and comprehend. You go based on the miracles and the power of God. You've seen the moves of God you've seen in your life. And you project forward. Listen, we're limiting God when we do that. God isn't going to do what He did in the past. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. God is a God of the new. I uh, will frequently go to lunch downtown in Modesto where my uh, secular job is. And there's one or two places where I tend to go. And I was talking to the, uh, one of the women there that helped, and she said, how was your sandwich today? And I said, it was good. It was good. She goes, well, I didn't recognize uh, your order because you got something different. I said, yeah, I kind of got bored with those things. She goes, you know, we have people that have come in here for years and they get the same thing every time. Same sandwich. Every time. They've been cut 20 years. Same sandwich every time. I don't know how they don't get sick of it. Most people get tired of the same old thing. We hate change, but we always want something new. It's a strange paradox. 
We're not satisfied with what we got, but we don't want to do what it takes to change. But God says, if you will grab a hold of this reality to stop looking forward into the future and predicting what life is going to be based on what you've known. Paul says, I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus. What is he saying? He says, I'm going to rely on Jesus to show me my next step. In fact, he said it like this in another place. He told people, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, he's saying, you're not going to be able to predict the outcome. This is a Mr. Toad's wild ride. You're not going to have any clue what's laying before you. But trust me in this. It's good. It hasn't entered into your mind. Don't even try and imagine. Don't try and conceive. Just follow Jesus. Well, that sounds risky. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. It's risky to follow Jesus, but I'm telling you, it's also very exciting. We just recently had, there's a thing called treasure hunts. Now, some people kind of get offended with phrases and stuff, and I'm not sure why, but I think they just tend to get offended at anything, but that's another story. There's a thing called treasure hunts. And... Um, Some people are uncomfortable with it because it's just so easy. But how many of you know that the things that God has given us are easy enough for children to participate in? Treasure hunts are these things where crazy Christian people get together and actually believe that God's going to communicate to them. I mean, these guys are off the hook. Don't want to go to church with them, do we? Yes, we do. I want to be one of them. I want to be one of them that actually believed Jesus when he said, My sheep hear my voice. And don't think it's just some sort of a ethereal concept that exists in the universe. No, it's real. Jesus meant what he said when he said, My sheep hear my voice. It's really simple. When you look at it in the Greek, it means, My sheep hear my voice. Yeah, we'll we'll just wait and get an interpretation. Here it comes. You know my voice. There you go. It's really just that simple. And yet we complicate it so much. And one of the reasons why God's voice has become so complicated to us is because we don't understand how yet to do what Paul said. And I've determined that I'm not going to know anything in this life except what I find from Jesus Christ himself. Think about that. I have determined that I'm not going to know anything, like Paul said, among you, except Jesus. You've got to process that and say, okay, how does that work? What does that look like in my life? If I were Paul, what is Paul saying here? If I were in Paul, she's, what does he mean by that? I've determined that I'm not going to know anything among you except Jesus. What, is, what does that mean? This is called the Turlock look, according to Chris Valentin. The Turlock look. You, to know only what I can get from Christ. See, this, and I'm not meaning to be critical here, but sometimes the only way to make a point is by contrast, contrasting something. 
most believers aren't seeing any of the things that God said we would see in our lives because we don't know what it is to hear from Christ. We don't know what it is to receive our direction from Him. But Jesus said that we're going to do the things He did. In other words, we're going to conduct our life the same way He did. He's done that for us. He's empowered us. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit so that you can. So how did Jesus do it? He said, I don't do anything except what I see my Father doing. And I don't say anything except what I hear my Father saying. So He's saying what Paul said. Jesus said, I'm not going to do anything except what I learn from my Father. And in that place, Paul says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. I'm challenging you today by the Holy Spirit to wait on Jesus. You say, I'm going to wait on God. But you understand that God gave us Jesus. God gave him all authority. Jesus said, Father, I have all these that you have given me. I've got now still, and I haven't lost any, and I won't lose any. He said, he's given me all authority. You say, well, what does that mean? Why we do? Because Jesus modeled for us how to live this Christian life. He said, I looked to the Father, you looked to me. Paul said, remember, follow me as I follow. He didn't say God the Father. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. You say, well, what's the big deal? I'm not sure that I can explain what the big deal because I think it's just too big a concept. But understand this. Know that we are to follow Jesus Christ. And when we determine in our lives that we're going to hear His voice and we're going to receive our direction there, I believe that we'll begin to see these things that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. In fact, I need to go down a little bit, and I want to show you something. In fact, verse 5, he said, Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 10, very next scripture, it says, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And for what man knows the things of man, save the spirit of a man, of a spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Do you hear that? Paul says that we have the ability to see these things which the eye hasn't seen, to hear these things which the ear hasn't heard, and we have the ability to come into our hearts, the thing which our heart and our on our being, we have never thought could happen. It's possible for us. It's not only possible, it's God's will. God has empowered us, folks. Now, we would like, how, how many of you would just like that, to believe that when you said the sinner's prayer and you came to Christ, that it was all downloaded. And now all you have to do is go in there and grab it when you're ready, right? Wouldn't that be great? No, it wouldn't. There's too much. It's an infinite supply. We wouldn't know where to go. If God downloaded all of it at once, it would probably kill us. 
God says to live in relationship with me. It goes all the way back to the garden, folks. His original creation was his plan for man. And he came down and every day he just related to his people. And he gave them what they needed for that day. He gave them enough for that day. How many of you sometimes get a little exasperated when you consider this idea of knowing the will of God? It seems too much. It seems too vast. What we're plagued with is we think that God's going to reveal it all to us. And we're going to know what to do in every situation because the knowledge has been downloaded. No, you're going to get what you need when you need it. We can't be worried about what the will of God is in every situation. I manage a baseball team, and some years back, a very gifted coach and former uh, minor league baseball player uh, was taught something that I've really latched onto, and they call it dead red hitting. Now, if you've ever played, has anybody ever gone to a baseball plate, stood there with a bat in your hand, and tried to hit a ball? <laughs> yeah, okay. Especially if they're pitching really fast and the ball's curving and it's coming fast, it's coming slow. You're not sure what's going to happen. You're not sure if it's going to come straight through the strike zone. You're not sure if it's going to come fast through the strike zone. And then there's any number of places where it could come. As a hitter, if you worry about all those things, you say, I don't know what I should be ready for. And so you're up there, you don't know what to do. And the ball comes and you're caught in indecision. I don't know what to do. So what I told my kids and what I try and tell them to do is this. I don't want you to think about what's possible, every possible contingency. What I want you to do is I want you to go to the plate, and I want you to look for your pitch, just the one. I want you to go up there looking for that one pitch until you get two strikes. Because until you get two strikes, you can be choosy. So what does that do? When they step to the plate, now instead of worrying about all the possible things that can happen, they're looking for one pitch. Oh, that's not it. Strike? I don't care if it's a strike. Not my pitch. Comes again. Oh, strike two. I don't care. Not my pitch. What does that do? It frees them. It frees them to look for the one thing. They don't have to have in their mind what could possibly happen. Have you ever been in a place where you feel, I don't know what's going to happen? I have no clue what's going to happen. It could be any number of things. See, when we want all of the wisdom God deposited in us, we find that we are not God and we can't contain it. And we find ourselves, oh my God, what are we going to do? Where are we going to... Just listen. This is God's plan. Dead red living. (laughs) Living red living. Go through your day. Start your day with this one thing. I'm going to listen to God. That's all I'm looking for. I'm listening for Jesus' voice. That's it. Any thoughts that come in that are fearful, any thoughts that come in that are negative, anything that denies my every promise that God has given. Well, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, doesn't it? Casting down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, eye isn't seen, ear is not heard, neither it is entered into the heart of man, the things that God has in store for those who love Him. But Paul says, we are equipped to know these things. And God wants to reveal them to you bit by bit and piece by piece. He wants a relationship. Be encouraged. There is so much that God wants to do this life. 
Heaven's going to be amazing. But God wants to do things now. What a waste of 70 years or 80 years or 100. To just come, okay, I'm saved. Now I'm just going to wait until I die. No, God brought life now. He gave us the ability to be able to know the Holy Spirit, as we wait on Jesus, will reveal to us, bit by bit, gems, nuggets, powerful realities that can transform and change. How many of you have been in the presence of God, had this sort of a realization of something that just, you went, wow, that's amazing. Have you ever had that? I hope you have. As you read the Bible, you know, there's this revelation, impartation, or illumination from the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. But it's just one nugget. I live for those things. Every time I open the Word, I pray, God, not through my mind. I don't want to process your Word uh, academically or through intellect. I want the Holy Spirit to illuminate it, to shine His light on it. And when He does, it's like, wow, this is really, really cool. God has a new thing that never would have occurred to you. You wouldn't have seen it coming. You've never heard of it before. It never came into your heart. But God has that for us. God's given us the ability to discern those things. Bow your heads and let's just ask God to program our minds and our spirits right now to take this in. Thank you.